0: Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because you'll save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer, Patrick Lyons. And on this show, we have got some fun stuff for you. There has been demand, Patrick, an outcry, a, a just really an insistence that there be a return of the Nas stars. And so we're going to do a little bit of that, but actually with a purpose. We figured out a way to sort of combine two ideas, some of the retro Rocky stuff we've been talking about, this offseason we're going to dive deep into a couple of pitchers who need a little better understanding of their careers i think in jeff francis and pedro astacio so we'll also get to watch a simulated duel between the two of them in just a minute that'll be fun but before we do that patrick we must discuss something that i wrote and published on the dnvr.com this week for subscribers hopefully you had a chance to read it that actually ties into this whole conversation about the narrative surrounding Colorado Rockies pitchers and the language that we use everybody from the fans and the media to the Rockies themselves on down and trying to evolve that language so that our conversation about Rockies pitching
1: actually makes sense and matches up with reality. We had talked after one of our podcasts this week, this idea that, you know, the Rockies have long been a pitching first team, but it's not, it hasn't been an obvious thing. Typically, when we we think about pitching first teams, you can just you just look at the the starting rotation and just by looking at the names, even if it is you know maybe some older guys at the end of their career uh, or some young younger prospects, you go, wow, this team has incredibly strong pitching. They clearly have an ace uh, in the game, and they've got a couple other guys. They got three or four guys that are number twos in a lot of rotations, and it's very clear that that's the case when you think about pitching first and yet the Rockies have virtually none of that just on the face of it just by looking at the names for better or worse and we'll get into why that is you don't see those names and go oh my gosh now maybe some guys at the tail end of their career and you go Jamie Moyer hey that's a name is this a pitching first team not quite he's 72 years old just kidding he's only 62 he's 49. (laughs) You got Mike Canton, you got Danny Nagel. You go, okay, this should be a pitching first team. Didn't actually happen. You could definitely say that that's the case now. And I think probably for the first time, it really makes sense, which is which is why I think you did a really nice job kind of bringing this conversation to the forefront because I, I think people can can buy into it more now. Um, so yeah, then the names, it might not line up. But when you take that deeper dive, which we've been doing all off season uh, you more so than me looking at the numbers and saying actually you know what when you uh if, if if you have a degree in calculus or you have a math if you're if you're a mathematics major it makes a lot of sense why the rockies are a pitching first team and that's also part of the reason why you know you got some pushback on this is like wait what the team at the blake street bombers not you know the pearl street pitchers or something like that no no but I think, I think we have enough really good baseball fans in this market and across the game that can go and look and go, you know what, Rocky's pitching has been a lot better than people give him credit for. The hitting hasn't been nearly as good as people not going to say that they don't remember, but again, if, if you know there's there's guys who roll out a better hitting 30 home runs pre-humidor, it, that cheapens it a little bit. So I think when you, when you look at all of those things together – it makes a very compelling argument that like, yeah, no, the Rockies are a pitching first team.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the the pushback because I did, you know, the poll quote that we sent out there on tweet with it uh, on the tweeter sphere uh, was, you know, all about that, how the Rockies had to convince first themselves and then the media and then their fans that they've always been a pitching first team and that they need to be. And within 10 minutes of that going out two media members, love them both good friends, uh, but both their immediate reaction to it. And look, if there was, if their immediate reaction to it, wasn't to sort of cringe and roll their eyes a little bit, then there wouldn't have been a point in where I know that this battle exists, that this is an uphill battle to climb. That's why I wrote about it. If, if I didn't think I was going to get some of that reaction, then there wouldn't have been something to discuss, right? That's the very thing is it's just how the team is thought of. It is just so counterintuitive To talk about them as a pitching first team and like you said patrick i I think it it takes one of two things either a a great deal of mathematical knowledge or if you're someone like me who's terrible at math or has never been particularly gifted at it at least um a lot of time to go through it and understand and look at individual examples and start to recognize patterns and put it all together and go okay i see where that exists right and so uh, it, but it, the reason I wrote about it this way is because we all have a certain amount of responsibility. We can all only control our own actions, right? So I did put the onus on the Rockies in the article and they, they got to sell it, man. They got to convince themselves first. They have to actually buy in and build like they know who and what they are. But, uh, you know, when they come out to the media and they go, well, you know, we feel like our guys, you know, some of our pitchers don't really get enough credit. Like that's not cutting it, man. You got to come out and say, no. They're wrong about our pitchers all of them forever. <laughs> like you, you got to come out stronger than that and sell to your fans and like make people understand why John Gray isn't some big gigantic disappointment. Like when was the last time you really heard you know you'll hear Bud Black talk about after games here and there or, you know he'll he'll explain, but when was the last time you really heard somebody in you know the Brain Trust if we can use that word for the Colorado Rockies? Just come out and say, actually, when you look at numbers that smart people understand, John Gray is extremely valuable to our team. And it's important to us that our fans understand that. It doesn't seem to me that it, that part is there either, but the media plays their own role in it too. Like the facts have
1: to win out at the end of the day. Yeah. According to Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin, chicks dig the long ball. Well, it, yeah. it, it may, maybe we need need to have our own campaign. Chicks dig the long ball. Baseball fans dig pitching duels. And I think that's something that, again, you go and and the duels look different. That's another disadvantage the Rockies have is a pitcher's duel is, you know, maybe is six innings, two earned runs. That's like, that's rarefied air for a a pitcher at Coors Field. So immediately that's not going to get a lot of attention for a guy who, that, that, that averages out to a three ERA even. For going six innings and giving up two or own runs, and yet that is that's pretty spectacular. Uh, and we know, and we know that there's a humidor there, so home runs are are down. They're still really high. they the Rockies are still, you know, in the top five. Uh, I think there, there's a couple. There might have been a down year where they were, you know, still in the top ten, but it's still a, a hitter's ballpark in a lot of ways. And with the outfield being as large as it is, okay, home runs are down. Base hits are still at the all time high they've always been cause you can only cover so much ground. So it's just, it's never going to be sexy. Rocky starting pitching is is never going to be sexy, but to me a good personality, is sexy. And the Rockies starting pitching has some great personality when you get past those optics, right? That's a great analogy, actually,
0: <laughs> that there is this, like, we look at, and we're about to jump into it here in a second, um, and we'll give some setup before we actually start the simulation. But let's actually talk about some specifics now with the two guys who are our big topics of conversation for today, because it really is this thing where you look at the raw ERA, and people have been watching baseball for a 100 years or three years one of the things you know is if you've got an era of like 480 or 5 or something like that that's not good that's not a good thing what i where i think my my frustration comes from is we seem to have gotten people past a similar intuition which is that being a 300 hitter means you're a good hitter i think most baseball fans now recognize that's probably not necessarily true and if you play at coors field it's definitely not necessarily true right People have adjusted the offense in their minds, but they haven't gotten past just that ugly looking raw ERA, man. And we're going to run through some of these other statistics that show for it. Um, because I think the better argument is to be made here. Let's start with Pedro Astacio, um, who was, uh, he came out of the Dodgers system, actually, spent the first several years of his career. With the Los Angeles Dodgers from age 23 to 27, uh, came to the Rockies at age 28. Uh, but again, to to sort of drive home the point that I'm talking about, his ERA is just let's start in uh, at age 24 in LA. His ERA year by year: 3.57, 4.29, 4.24, 3.44, and then 4.14 with the Dodgers. And you're like those are pretty solid to pretty good numbers, right? And then he comes to Colorado. 425, 623, 504, 527, 509. And you're like, oh, he's a much worse pitcher now, right? Like anyone who's ever watched baseball before would be like, oh, that guy got much worse. But when you look at his ERA+, which is a stat that did not exist when Pedro Astacio was pitching, you can see that he's actually according to the stat doing just as well if not better some of these years in colorado where the raw era may be higher but he's pitching so many innings he's doing it in a tougher environment and so he still comes out as a 115 one year a 125 another year uh his era plus numbers if you go by in colorado 122 then 83 had a real bad down here 115 110 103 and then a 97 like that's remarkable consistency mm-hmm. and the worst year was just barely at it's barely below it's at league average if you're a 97 you were a league average pitcher that year and so it's like man those raw eras would tell you he was bad and probably told the rockies he was bad and they, and they got rid of him but we've, how many times this week or this this offseason have we said would you take a guy that gets anywhere from a 97 to a 125 era plus plus? and that's exactly who pedro astacio was his time in colorado
1: for sure you know he being acquired in in 97 midseason he was kind of on a down year i mean he was in was in the prime of his career in his age uh, 28 season but you know was had disappointed basically based off of what, what the dodgers were expecting and you know era plus I, I do like a lot better for pitchers especially you know comparing you know, what they're doing uh, at coors field or at least pitching with the rockies uh, if, if, if anyone's listening and is in, interested in and wins above replacement, which we know is, uh, you know, again, it's another metric just to kind of try to qualify things. I think, it, I think it paints a similar picture where you go, okay, in 97 with the Dodgers in 24 starts across 26 games, he had a 410 ERA. Okay. Then he pitched with Colorado, had a 4.25 425 ERA, slightly worse. But that was in only seven starts. So in a quarter of the amount of starts, he was slightly worse if you just look at ERA. But if you look at wins above replacement, it's 1.7 with the Dodgers and 1.4 with the Rockies. So in a quarter of the amount of the time, he matched what he did with a worse ERA, which right. again is why you know some of these raw statistics and why you know having, having that master's degree in, in, in baseball mathematics, can be helpful because we, we can all, I, I shout out to my uncle, Tom, who, you know, is a huge baseball fan. And, you know, he, uh, I I tried to get him into sabermetrics, tried to get him into looking deeper because anybody can, can look at the league leaders and say, these guys are friggin' good. Right. Well, what about the rest of the guys? What about the guys who haven't gotten that opportunity yet? What about those guys who are maybe, you know, they they got some bad luck, right? You look at their batting average for balls in play, their bad dip, and just go, man, you know what? The defense maybe got a little bit of lucky or uh, the the pitching uh, played to, to some of his weaknesses in some ways, and he probably should have gotten a couple more hits here or there, would have brought his average up, would have changed a whole bunch of other things, a couple more RBI here and there, and it's the guys in the middle, right? You can, you can tell who stinks. You can tell who stinks and go, right. and but then, maybe, but maybe yeah. you could dream that they could contribute. But you can tell who stinks, you can tell who the superstars are, and it's, every, it's the other 80% of players in the middle that we don't know about. And we have to use these kind of statistics to look, particularly for Rockies players, um, specifically the pitchers, because they've just gotten so underappreciated. And especially a guy like Pedro Astacio, who, you know, pre-humidor or right around that time when that, that switchover came, Right. just was just overlooked in, in so many ways. And was, he, he was a guy that when I looked at the numbers, when we were doing our, our null stars draft was like, I want him so bad and I would have him as my ACE, but in, in thinking about winning the competition, the fan vote, if you will, I, I had to slide him down a little bit. So I was jealous when you took him and, and for anyone too, who's just tuning into this, um, Drew and I, Drew had a fantastic idea, said, hey, we all we could do a fantasy team and select the best players. Well, there's 27 different guys who've made the All-Star team as a member of the Rockies. Let's wipe those guys away. Now, the next tier of players who were pretty darn good, maybe even should have been an All-Star, some guys were Rookie of the Year, uh, Cy Young Award votes, MVP votes, let's just draft those guys. And so that's what we're going to be doing here in a little bit, Drew's guys versus my guys. And... It was, it was real easy to pick pitchers because they're all out there. Haven't been too many. Only Ubaldo's the only starting pitcher to ever make it. Brian Fuentes, Greg Holland, Wade Davis. I think I, I, think I got it covered. Mike Hampton. Five. Five, guys? I think it's it. I think
0: that's right. Yeah. So, yes, that's right. As I switch over from my Strava Craft Coffee to my Breck Brew. ah, Still on that juice drop. Still on that juice drop. I do have a few other. I've got a mixer over there, but – uh katie has been taking care of the mixer i've just been on the juice drop hazy ipa absolutely my favorite the strawberry sky is still one of the best sweetie kind of fruity but not too fruity beers that you can have uh so we get to now toast our breck brews to a lot of those kinds of players you were talking about there who get lost throughout history or maybe people don't remember as you know being super amazing because they were never all-stars but some of them certainly weren't all-stars for the rockies some of these guys we're all stars, actually, but um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and start that up as we begin our conversation about Jeff Francis as well. So as Patrick said, uh, you know, if you're here with us on the live, we are doing it at a slightly different time right now. Remember, most of the time, Monday through Friday at 4.05 on Facebook and Periscope, and then on Wednesdays, it's also on YouTube. And you know, we were do- we've been doing and-, and we'll continue to do that home run derby thing, uh, the courtesy of MLB The Show simulating some of that as we did that draft and now because some people did ask for it but we're not just going to call the game here we're going to continue to talk about astacio and francis and some of the guys in the game and remember their history but we're going to put on a little five inning simulation with quick counts on so those of you that are watching it if you're wondering why it's going so fast they're jumping ahead we're purposely trying to make sure this doesn't take up too much of your time they'll let us know if you enjoy it a little bit a jeff francis Versus Pedro Estacio uh, for you here. V- very very excited <laughs> to see, and then also our non-stars lineup, as Patrick said that we uh, drafted uh, about a week or two ago
1: now. So yeah, we're we're essentially on the eve of our normal podcast at at four o five, which is where most people will go ahead and and tune into us. And so we don't have our we don't have the uh, starting lineups. Do you remember what yours was off the top of your head? Oh, I took a picture of it. It's Tavares leading
0: off here against Jeff Francis. Then Kaz Matsui batting second, and I got Corey Dickerson and Mark Reynolds after that. Jeff Reed catching. I got Charlie Hayes playing third base. Mike Kingery out in right field, and then Clint Barmas playing shortstop.
1: Yeah, that's a nice lineup. That's a nice lineup. Love seeing Coors Field again, but yeah, Jeff Francis is a is a guy that you know probably more a lot more people, you know, know in uh, Rockies fandom. You know, longer tenure, 2007 World World Series series team, absolutely. Uh, Even even garnered Cy Young Award votes. You know, that was kind of a a factor for me. Where you know, in 2007, he he actually got at least one third place vote that I know of. So he was ninth in a uh, national league Cy Young award voting, which again, only four guys has that ever happened for, which is, you know, insane to think about. I think maybe if, if someday, in fact, that, this would be an interesting idea. Um, let's see, do I know anybody that's a member of the BBWAA mm-hmm. hmm. anyway, but, uh, eventually maybe, maybe having awards like the Cy Young award or rookie of the year, go to uh five players deep and maybe even the MVP, you know, MVP is already, you know, 10 players, but it, you know, if it goes to 15, again, what you'd be doing is, you know, giving some shine to some of those players that haven't often gotten it. And I think if you, you know, you had opened voting up to five players, you might've seen, you know, Hermen Marquez, maybe get a, a one fifth place vote. You know, sometimes those, uh, final spots, you know, uh, some voters will kind of, you know throw something uh uh to 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 a guy who's, who's uh, the team that they're covering so um that very much could have been a possibility. Pedro Stasio is a guy here uh they're dealing for the the Albuquerque side who certainly you know could have gotten some votes um with with his 5.9 wins above replacement in 99 which is think about that man like added yeah. six wins I'm really glad
0: that you brought that up, man. I wanted to ask you because look at, he had a 504 ERA in 1999, but, and you talked about this when we were talking about Ryan Castellani and the value of picking up innings at Coors Field. He pitched 232 innings. He also struck out 210 guys and only walked 75, but he led the league in home runs by giving up 38 dongers. (laughs) So like he was just wearing it man talk about a workhorse and you talk about just throwing mm-hmm. a out there and riding him like and he had done that in the year before in fact i wonder i was able to find a few other guys um just once kyle freeland has pitched over 200 innings neither gray or marquez has done it uh yeah will that one time jim leland let astacio throw 150 pitches in a complete game just kept throwing them out there but he had back-to-back seasons as a colorado rockies pitcher pre-humidor of over 200 innings and then in 2000 pitched 196
1: unbelievable yeah that that's one of those marks where you think about and say all right what's the you know can any rocky starting pitcher throw you know combined six over 600 innings over the course of three years and it's it's going to be so much harder it's strange to think that in just 20 years time well i guess 20 years is a long time uh, when you stop and think about it so it is two decades yeah uh, you know, you even faced over a thousand batters, which also could be a, a record. Um, mm-hmm. Somewhat dubious because, again, the more guys you face is because uh, you're not necessarily getting them exactly. out.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 But again, it's like, it, man, it, it takes a special cat to be able to go out there. Mm-hmm. I remember actually Tracy Ringlesby loves to tell this story about Pedro Estacio swinging by the clubhouse a couple of years ago and talking to John Gray. And saying, you know what the key is to pitching here. Right. And Gray says, no, you know, it's the key to don't give up the next one. That's the key to pitching in Colorado. Don't give up the next one. You can't do anything about the last one. Just don't give up the next one. Uh, And and Gray's kind of been a different pitcher since that, you know, and and I think that's, that is the, we've talked about that before. We were talking about the pro amnesia on the last podcast. Like that's what you need to have. And, uh, Francis was one of those guys, too. You know, his raw ERA was never super fantastic, but uh, the, the team would go out there behind him to win, man, uh, in, in both of those years. Really, in 06, before that, helping with the young players to grow, and then in 07, having his two best years right when
1: the team needed him to. Yeah, It's that, it's that long-term thinking of, uh, like you said, don't give up that next one, which which is vital. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Astasio in that 99 season had seven complete games, no shutouts, none, no <laughs> shutouts, but still went the distance because Man. shoot, there's a lot of pride, you know, 17, I think he had seven, I know 14 complete games total. That's the most in, in franchise history. Um Again, most, most innings pitched, And I think, I think when he threw those 232 innings in 99, like the record was like, kevin ritz at like 204. so he like obliterated that and and again that's going to be a a hard one to touch i mean that's if 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 anyone can top that record you know in the next couple years because who knows maybe maybe in another decade or two pitcher you know starting pitchers are going much longer but if anyone breaks that record you've got to think they're going to be one or number two in cy young voting like there's got to be an explanation why a guy's been out there that much over the course of the season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it, it. It's just damned impressive whether or not it's a particularly good idea. Like I said, two years in a row, he led the league in giving up home runs and he would do it for a third time mm-hmm. at, at age 33 when he left for the Mets. Um, you know, it's, he also led the league twice and uh, hit batsman. Like, yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if we can plunk one here. Who's up? We got Atkins at the
1: plate, still a scoreless tie in the bottom of the second here in our sim game. Yeah. That's, that's very of my wheelhouse that Astacio complete games, 232 innings. And, uh, he hits 17 batters during it's his time. Era. And so it's like, Oh, so that may that, now that really is making me feel old. I know. Right. I know just a different time, man. But, uh, and for anyone watching the uh, watching the live feed here, uh, my lineup of guys goes Juan Pierre, Dexter Fowler, Justin Morneau, Garrett Atkins, Seth Smith, Chris Iannetta, Jamie Carroll, Walt Weiss, and my man Jeff Francis as my starting pitcher. It's one of the reasons why I think I got seventy five percent of the votes online. That was Drew, uh, you know uh off air, off air, Drew and I had about an hour conversation we're like okay, what would you have done differently all right all right, here's where it went wrong and then I tried doing this. Oh yeah, well, I thought you were going there and we really broke it down like we we both took this very seriously. so do not be shocked if if more competitions like this start popping up again because I know Drew is just waiting to sink his teeth into me.
0: I just can't believe how badly I blew this draft and and honestly once I set this up like the team on paper it it it, I think your team is good still yeah your team is still better but my team you know can hang in there absolutely yeah pitching is great uh but certainly in terms of fan favorites it's like I totally forgot my strategy Um, (laughs) excellent glad glad you're here wild
1: I definitely threw you and for anyone you know definitely go back and, and listen to that podcast which I believe dropped uh, last Thursday. So that might've been the December 17th podcast, but yeah, my, my strategy going in was, and we haven't talked about this on air was, was essentially there was a lot of really good Rocky starting pitching. Like it was fantastic. And I go, you know what, even if drew takes his hey, just go ahead and pick your best four starting pitchers. You want go ahead and take them. The next four guys will, yeah, might be a tick below, but it's not going to be that much of a drop off. Whereas the drop off between Morneau and Reynolds might be on the high side, Garrett Atkins and Charlie Hayes might be on the high side. Uh, Ionetta and anyone else, yeah. Yeah. So I, I looked at it from from that you know kind of fantasy baseball perspective, and I think at the end of the day, it it shows. Um, I guess I know a thing or two about Rockies baseball in the, in the end. You know, That's cool. That's cool. so I
0: guess, I guess maybe you know one or two <laughs> things. Like so, yeah, maybe maybe so. I got a little too I- with it too. I definitely went a little deep cut on my end. I, I got a little heavy on the nineteen nineties players like Charlie Hayes and Mike Kingery that people of of a certain age have basically never heard of. <laughs> I put Daryl Hamilton on my team, Patrick. I don't know what happened. I just I forgot that people are young. I forgot I forgot that most of the people that listen to this podcast have no idea who Daryl Hamilton is.
1: Well, to be fair,
0: his OPS plus man.
1: To be fair, you were the one who tipped me off to that yeah. because I was all set. I would have been so pleased to have Pedro Estacio with my first pick. I would have said, oh, I got to have Jay Payton and Jeremy Burnett. I need some big sluggers there. I would have grabbed those guys super early. But knowing it was a competition, you you pointed out like, hey, you know what? If we're going to have like the fans vote. You know, Think about that. And so I, I gave some balance. So there were guys that I definitely wanted – wanted King Ray from that 94 season, wanted Charlie Hayes, you know, wanted Atkins more, but would have loved to have had Charlie Hayes. Alex Cole was in consideration. Yeah. But, but again, I'm like, ah, you, there needs to be that balance yeah. in there. And then our guys right here, Astacio and Francis, they're, they're doing it both pitching shutouts here. Uh, I think we've got we've had one runner, you know, reach second base off Francis. So the
0: second base hit of the game right there was Jamie Carroll going the other way with a single. So
1: and that was that was another one at second base where you went with your second pick for Kaz Matsui. And to me, I you know Kaz Matsui way more of a of a fan favorite. But looking at the numbers, I was like, ah, oh, there's I, I think there might be a little bit closer than at some other position. So I was fine taking, you know, the the second best guy, which which would have been Carol, or even having Orion McMahon. I would have been happy with that. I think there wasn't too much of a fall off on that.
0: Yeah, no, that's just for me one of those things where and, – and I think there's some people who are like this. We got one comment in our Discord chat from, I think, somebody who was also like this, where it's like Kaz Matsui is just – that one season represented the absolute best that the Rockies have had at second base. That doesn't yeah. include DJ LeMayhew, but – Um, it it just, yeah, he was so good that year and he was such a difference maker. And I also felt like him leaving, um, felt like such a difference maker, um, while the innocent bringing up his defense. Yeah. It's just people who watch that season have nothing but extraordinarily fond memories of Kaz Matsui. And so, uh, I may have slightly overrated him because of that, um, uh, but, you know, hopefully he'll be the difference maker now in these Sims is where I can get it. So stick your <laughs> hands and to you. You may have the more popular team. But I went pitching and defense heavy. So now that they're playing some actual games out here. Now my, my boy astasio's in a little bit of trouble here. Two on and Dexter Fowler at the plate, but with two outs. Ooh, beautiful curveball.
1: He dropped in there to get a one-two count. Let's go, Dex. My, he's my first. He's my He's my number one pick here. So that would make me yeah. feel... Ooh, pretty darn good like Fowler always had a really great eye that's something he, he was
0: never I think given enough credit for remembered well enough for um, is that I a, a, don't have a lot of guys who take it bats the way he does now
1: is that a sim angel Hernandez behind the plate because that was real close that, there that, that was, did you do that did like, you yeah. <laughs> did you insert him into the game
0: there <laughs> no comment no comment oh another change up that he just laid off this is a big at bat with Morneau on deck too because you don't want to walk him here
1: and if we're going five innings, I mean, this right here is, is essentially a seventh inning at bat, big spot. Oh, God. Good pitch. The at the letters. Great the pitch. Strike. Got
0: him to expand the zone.
1: You know, I think going back to Kaz Matsui, the, the yeah. interesting thing uh, that we had talked about was this idea that, you know, as you said, when he left the organization, it, it was a bit of a heartbreaker. Because I think at that point, it was something like, nine out of 10 straight opening days there was a different starting second baseman like you had your jose ots your ronnie Belliard, like these guys these random guys that were not very good they were barely glove first no bad at all and it was like oh we finally have like a guy who's he's a star in colorado and so that's that's way more than you you know what they had had before that. And and it really seemed like he was settling, especially because he was kind of a disappointment in New York. You know, he was, he was almost a a big money guy. Uh, You know, in the same vein, you had your, your Dice K Matsuzaka, Kaz Ishii, which is a name people don't often remember uh, who was relegated to the, to the minors uh, ultimately for the final few years of his career. And, you know, was one of those Japanese imports that, you know, just didn't really work out for him, but yet he comes to Colorado and it's, you know, he kind of finds a, a home for himself, and it was uh, it, it just the right time too. And it and it seemed like you know he he probably could have come back and and done a little bit more. So it was it was certainly a disappointment for Rockies fans when he did not. Yeah, I and it's
0: probably not true at all. But again, that's one of those things that in my mind at the time when 08 was such a disappointment, I just yeah. went should have brought back Kaz Matsui. You screwed the whole thing up. How did you not bring back Kaz Matsui? This is. A blatant disrespect, and it's the reason the team is bad. And I just, I couldn't stand it, Patrick. I couldn't stand it.
1: It well, interesting symmetry between, you know, uh, two thousand seven, and then what happened, you know, going into two thousand eight, and then the consecutive playoff appearances from seventeen and eighteen, where both of those two clubs lost their second baseman, and it kind of derailed the team. Obviously, as we've been talking about, like with Kaz Matsui going over to Houston and as you said, yeah, that, that was, that was a big loss. And I think a lot of people felt, felt that at the time, at least he was, he was underrated, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, on the cusp of being an all-star or, you know, at least an all-star to the Rockies, whereas a decade later, DJ LeMahieu goes and just is an all-star yeah, just and like if that. the wheels fall off and you go, ah, oh, that guy again. Oh, fantastic play by Charlie Hayes. What a so good. Girl i loved him i loved him in philadelphia i got to see him play at Veterans stadium too was he was fantastic. fantastic
0: yeah Char- again charlie hayes is a we'll have to highlight him on a future episode of of doing this if people are enjoying this at least will and wild the innocent are talking aaron miles and mike lansing like this is <laughs> these are our people man this is what we're here for but yeah uh, charlie hayes stealing a base hit from seth smith right there um uh, another couple of players it would be really fun to highlight uh, who, you know, people don't think about a lot, but just looking at mm-hmm. their careers are fascinating careers. Like you said, not everyone's going to be a 15, you know, 17-year-long multiple-time All-Star Hall of Famer, or borderline Hall of Famer, or the guy who just can't hack it and is out of the league in two or three or four years. There's a lot of players in Rockies history who were like, a solid
1: 10-year careers under their belts. The that's hard. Yeah, that's so hard to do. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, Pedro Stasio, 15 years in the game. I mean, it, you have to play for 10 years to you know to get pension. So, I mean, that's a major goal for guys is, is to just stick around long enough at least to get that because that's, that's life-changing in, in so many ways. Yeah, reach out to us. Get on Twitter, at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman. You can email us, Drew at the DNVR.com, Patrick at the DNVR.com. Let us know if you're, if you're a subscriber in our discord, let us know who you want to highlight. Like we, this game going into it, we wanted to highlight the pitchers again, ties in great with our topic. So Francis and Astacio got the bulk of our, our breakdown early on. Oh, big strikeout by Francis.
0: I will say I ran a couple of, <laughs> um, I ran a couple of Sims last night and the pitchers got absolutely destroyed. And part of me was concerned when we were going to highlight these two guys that we were just going to be running B-roll here of them getting shelled. So it's super cool that Astacio and Francis have this shutout going into the bottom of the fifth. I will say, though, that I was hoping that making it five innings would make it a little bit brisker. And if it's going to go into extra innings here, we may have to. I don't know. We'll see if we stick around to find
1: out who wins. Maybe someone will walk it off for Patrick here. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I, walk off. I did. I did. I a couple hours ago I said, you know what? If we can and again, I don't I don't know how this happens in the game if you're simulating or if you have to do it yourself, but Jeremy Burnitz off the bench. First pitch is gonna go Dongville. So my mom's
0: talking about uh, Eric Young being important and fun, but not heralded. He was an all-star, so maybe we'll talk about him uh, at another time because he's not on one of these teams. But an interesting relation here is that that's how Pedro Estacio came into the organization. He was traded for, or Eric Young was traded. Make that grammar work, Patrick.
1: They were traded for each other. Thank you. Oh, chance (laughs) at a double play. Did he get it? No. Those graphics are ridiculous that a first baseman could kick a ball around the runner at first stammers to second, but gets tagged out by the first baseman who backhand flips it in a shuttle pass to the pitcher covering first. That's insane.
0: Oh man. Oh, now they're going to get the double play ball Francis needs. And we're going into technically extra. There's the defense. defense. Oh, here's There's a the defense the again. That's even related to what we're doing here. Better Christmas name, Matt holiday, Jamie Carroll, Todd Green, or Gabe White? I think Jamie Carroll.
1: I think yes, simply because there are other holidays besides Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus. Right, I like that. (laughs) Green, White, White Christmas. Okay, we got all those things. All good ones. We'll definitely uh, pick the best of the best but i would have to go with with Jamie Carroll.
0: I, yeah, I, I think so. With Holiday in a in a solid second, but yeah, Carroll is good. That's Although
1: cool. although a relief pitcher from the 95 team uh Pete Santa was also very good. I would probably put him at the top of No, no. Just, sorry guys, there's no
0: Google it. going on to baseball reference.
1: I'm Pete sorry. Santa.
0: Pete <laughs> yes. Santa. Um, A few other things about Jeff Francis, since it is going and he's still on the hill out there in the sixth. Uh, He was an original Rockies draftee. He was uh, drafted in the first round with the ninth overall pick in 2002 by the Rockies and made his debut in uh, 2004. So, you know, we've talked a lot about how in recent past they haven't rushed guys through the minors that much. It was two quick years and Jeff Francis was pitching in the big leagues. Never to look back. He would be in the Rocky system all the way until 2010. And one thing that I, again, think is oftentimes uh, not remembered much about his career is that shoulder surgery in 2009 pretty much derailed what could have been, I think, an even better career. He he slowly went downhill after that, Um, and he missed all of the 2009 season. So not only was that rough for Jeff Francis coming off of his three best years in 06 or 07 and 2008, but then to not be there as the Rockies are having their best season in franchise history, he'd been such a big part of it and what he could have meant to that team and how much better they could have been, how much further they could have gone if they'd had this guy who'd been a stalwart of uh, their rotation. So it really is a bummer for him that that season in particular is the one where his career, unfortunately, starts to go sideways a
1: bit. Yeah. We was still able to hang on for a couple of seasons, you know, pitched uh, 11 in total. So he, he did get his pension, which yeah. was probably a lot more important uh, for him. I was really a big
0: deal for him, man.
1: Well, partially because I was a little bit surprised to see that, you know, he, you know, he didn't make a lot of money in free agency. And over the course of his career only made according to baseball reference, uh, just a little over 17 million. Now, it's hard to say only 17 million, sure. but again, when you're talking about guys and you're talking about players that were, you know, integral part of, you know, championship club in 2007 and, and played in the majors for, you know, that many seasons, you go, well, well, certainly you would have to make a minimum of X amount of dollars. And shoot, I would have, would have put that number at least $20 million because, you know, you, you come back, you come, yeah, yeah you come around for, you know, final two, three years of your career, you're making a million dollars in each of those years alone, uh, you're not in your prime, but in your prime, you would have made, you know, certainly a lot more than that. So, uh, only made, uh, just under $5.8 million in, in 2010. So, you know, it's it's good money back then, but, but overall you think, yeah, that's, there's no guarantees you're winning. You're, you're coming close to, uh, coming close to, you know, winning a world series and in the world's, uh, at your fingertips, it seems like. And you know, before you know it, your career's over. And and you know, how did you invest your money? How how well did you do that? And yeah, well, uh that that is a lot of money in Canadian. Uh he, I, I was gonna add too when you when you mentioned about him getting drafted at high school, that you know was from also from British Columbia, um, home of right. Rockies Hall of Famer, Larry Walker. Great sliding grab there in left field. Um and so, yeah, the, the Rockies have had a you know decent history of of Canadian ballplayers between you know Morneau, Walker, uh, any other Canadians that you could think of, I'm sure hmm, off, off top of my head, old. sure.
0: Some of those weirdo pinch hitters, right? Is John Vanderwall Canadian? It feels like he should be.
1: He feels like he should be. I would agree. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, if the Rockies acquire Brandon Nimmo, you go well. Technically, you know, it's, it's Wyoming. It, technically. It's yeah. Kind of sort of fits.
0: Yeah, you actually did remind me. Uh, there was one other note I wanted to make on both of them. We we talked about when we, I can't remember when we were talking about 2007, whenever we can, I guess. Um, but how great Francis was in those postseason games as well. Um, you know, while his career ERA and even overall ERAs, we ran through some of, you know, Estasio's numbers. In 2006, Francis put up a 416 ERA. In 2007, It was 422. Those are ERA plus numbers of 118 and 114. So solidly above average. But, you know, a career ERA of 497. Again, nothing to get super excited about. But ERA plus of 93. And when he needed to be his best, he was. He was really good that year for the Rockies. He got a little bit shelled in game one in the World Series. But he was as instrumental as anyone in setting the tone in game one of the NLDS and game one of the NLCS. And, and he pitched fantastically in both of those. And so, uh, yeah, man, just uh, a solid cheers of the Breck Brew out there to Jeff Francis.
1: Yeah, I got, got the first start, too, in the World Series. You know, pitch, pitch game one, which was an honor. And he actually uh, became only the second Canadian to uh, to even just pitch in the World Series, which, again, like that's that's got a lot of cachet that like that really means something to a lot of people. And, and just goes to show you, you know, how, you know, how to, I'm not gonna say out of nowhere, Jeff Francis came, but just again, how much against the odds it's, it's hard, you know, hockey's the national sport for a reason up there in in Canada. And, you know, they're, they've got great athletes, you know, every country in the world has those, those special athletes, but uh, not too many of them get filtered through baseball anymore. So, that's kind of a, a cool little accomplishment in and of itself for for Francis to have done that. We need a we need a walk-off homer here. I got got my guys up. Garrett Atkins, let's go here.
0: Right. Uh, since I just gave you the numbers, Pedro Stasio's career ERA was 467, and his career ERA plus was 97. So just barely mm-hmm. below league average or right about for all those years. Oh, that's going to dump into right field, leadoff base hit for Garrett Atkins here now in the bottom of the seventh. Like you said, someone needs to this thing off. Seth Smith at the plate. Estacio still Mr. out. Saturday he's night, on eighty-eight pitches.
1: You we may know. have to. That's, that's so he's 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 just getting warmed up. I mean, right. shoot, at this point. Yeah, Mister Mister uh, Mister Late Night. You might have to add Mister Christmas Eve too to that list here if if he can get something done. I don't know if a double, oh, wild pitch. Potential winning run. Oh no, Garrett Atkins didn't go anywhere. You kidding me. I was just about to say, I don't think a double scores him from first base, then a wild pitch comes and then nothing actually happens.
0: Atkins didn't move.
1: Again, for anyone who's listening to this on the replay on our podcast, make sure you're tuning in live every day at 4.05. This is a special early edition, but that drops in.
0: That's a base hit for Seth Smith. Two on, nobody out. Astacio's still out there to face Chris Iannetta.
1: He had an opportunity in the fifth to do something. Ooh. Six, four, three. Oh, it took the second baseman out. Real nice. But we got a runner on third base. Oh, it's Atkins. Can we lift him? I got Nafi Perez on the bench, man. He would have gotten a second base on that wild pitch. It would have been could have been game over right there. You're the
0: GM. You don't get to manage the team. This is what <sighs> it was like. you have to sit there and watch the manager make these decisions.
1: Now I know how Billy Bean feels when, we, when I go back and watch Moneyball again. i will be like, "Hey, I feel you, Brad Pitt. I feel you, <laughs> Total Jamie, fans, bro. Jamie Carroll. A uh, a sac fly to right field will not get it done today. You will not be the hero if you do that. But a base hit." Would be pretty nice. Oh, he's going to flare one out to right field. Can Cass Is it going to ding it?
0: No, oh, he can't. It drops in just in front of
1: Kingery. And wouldn't you know it. He got it done again to right Jamie field. With the- How apropos with the- on apropos Christmas Eve. A Christmas Carol. Oh, Jamie's base hit to right field walks it off in extras.
0: A Christmas Carol, indeed! Wow, what were the odds? Love it. Rocky Mountain Top, play it, baby. Jeff, Fran- Jeff Francis gets player of the game and gets some glitchy Gatorade thrown on him. All right, fair enough.
1: I think that might have been Breck Brew. I don't know. Is that uh, is that Avalanche Ale? I think
0: that might have been a little bit of Avalanche. Man, well, that was cool. A nice little pitcher's duel, Francis and Astasio, both go the distance. Like you said, we got a complete game out of Pedro Astasio, but he gave up the run and the loss there at the end. Both guys go out and remind us how in different styles, a little bit of a softer toss and lefty who almost never walks guys, um, hard-throwing righty who gives up some traffic but knows how to get out of it and pitch a long time. And And that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun.
1: Fun fact of the players that we saw in the game today, I believe Pedro Astacio was the only one to actually play for his club. So we were we at Hartford against Albuquerque. Astacio right. was in the Dodgers organization back when they were the Albuquerque Dukes and a Dodgers AAA affiliate. So how about that? Well done. That's I, I would not have pulled that one.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh man, it, it is fun remembering and appreciating some of these smaller moments throughout Rocky's history that oftentimes don't get discussed enough. Because and were Jeff Francis and Pedro Astacio superstars? Do they belong in the Hall of Fame? Should they, you know, should their mantles be loaded with hardware? No, you know, even as much as I would argue that Jeff Francis maybe could have finished a few places higher in Cy Young voting in 07, it's like ain't finished where he belonged. He, he had a very good year, but not a great year. Most of what he brought wasn't measurable. Again, it was like, look at the way the team took the field behind him in 2007. And those 17 wins didn't come out of nowhere. Sorry, Manny. Um, but it's it's like, those are the things you've got to appreciate and be thankful for in, in the season of, of all of these things. It's like, actually, yeah, to to watch Jamie Carroll hit a weak little floater to right do
1: it again he did it again
0: <laughs> what? come on uh, I'm gonna get crushed in this series. are we doing best of nine, best of 11? what do you tell us in the comments
1: section? let us know we, we'll, we can do yeah we can do maybe two out of three and then if if it's a sweep we'll do three out of five. if it's a three game sweep again. We'll do, you know, we'll we'll extend it out however long to to maybe make it interesting. You know, at that point, my guys are like, we just won like three or four series and you keep adding on to it. We we quit at which point maybe it'll be a little more balanced. But no, that was a competitive game. And I I think, I think both our teams are really, really balanced. So this will be fun. fun.
0: Like you said, people out there, let us know uh, which players you'd like us to highlight next time. Because I think that's at least worth doing at least one more time and, and let us know who, because because that was a lot of fun. So that's all I got. That's all I know. Those are all the things that I have in my in my brain heads.
1: Yeah. Everybody enjoy a couple days off, and uh, we'll be back next week, Monday. Ready to do it again. Not as much news going on, I imagine, still. There was a trade today, too. Hey, it's Josh like Bell. Bell. Yeah. To the Nationals. We talked about him a bunch on our, our free trade Fridays. Oh, I uh, we we got one uh, dropping tomorrow too, so we'll 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 talk some more trades. Go back and listen to those and find out, you know, what we thought the Rockies would have been able to give up in order to get a, a big burly first baseman that can hit from both sides of the ball. What that would have looked like on the Rockies side, but he's a Washington Nationals player, stays in the National League, and you know the maybe the hot stove league is is finally starting to heat up.
0: That would be nice it would be really cool if on monday we're talking about a bunch of stuff that's happened maybe even some things for your rockies though well we'll see <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for continuing to be absolutely awesome listening to the podcast presumably being wonderful to each other out there in this season of giving and and family and friends and i, and I hope that in the safest way possible. You're spending this time with your family and friends with a nice warm cup of Strava craft coffee or a nice cold Breck brew, a little bit of Hassle Cattle Company beef uh, or a lot of Hassle Cattle Company beef if you're like me. Uh, Maybe don't do your mortgage with Chevalier on Christmas Day but you know, once you start recovering from all the eating and drinking and you're thinking of stuff to do, you swing by DNVR mortgage, all that stuff.
1: Send him an email at least to get the ball rolling. Yeah. Right, That's
0: what I'm saying right. Right. We've been doing carpet stuff. Like you got to keep this stuff going through the time. But you you take your deep breath. You take a little time off, and we know that a lot of you out there, this podcast is a, a part of taking that deep breath in your day. And we very much appreciate you inviting us into your home or into your car, just into your ears. Um, especially in you know this time of the year when well one there's no baseball happening <laughs> and two uh you know you there's a lot of stuff that could it is going on out there in the world so that you take any part of your day to spend it with us we are eternally grateful for that so, uh, make sure you're subscribing to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content plus you get hats and shirts discounts and mask discounts depending on what we're doing that week huge nuggets sale going on right now if you're a basketball fan they got some great swag and there's some really, really cool stuff going on over there. Tough they didn't get that first one, but we'll worry about that another time. Okay. Uh, we're just going to continue to all be a part of this fun and awesome DNVR family. Thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creesman. And until next time, we will see you.